0: Listeners, Welcome back to ITS Podcast. This is episode 77, December 2023. I'm Maryam Kaveshkar from Amdouba University, India. The IEEE ITS conference in Bilbao was a very successful event. I would like to thank all the organizers for such well-planned conference, more than 1,200 participants and numerous workshops to attend. Today, we have a discussion with Mr. Kapil Arora the co-founder and CSO of Cerebrum X. Kapil will talk about the breakthrough technology, products and services in ITS. But before that, we'll hear Barish and Haluk. Barish is here with his news mini-section, and after that, Haluk will tell us about a new book. Haluk has reviewed the book, Automotive Accident Reconstruction, Practices and Principles, written by Donald and John Struble.
1: This is the book review section for ITS Podcast, reviewed by Dr. Haluk Eren, Fırat University, Elazığ, Turkey. The second edition book title is Automotive Accident Reconstruction, Practices and Principles, and consists of 403 pages. Published by CRC Press in 2020, written by Donald Straubel and John Straubel. Accident reconstruction, much like other fields, continually evolves incorporating new tools, methodologies, and insights. It adapts to changing information needs and broadens its understanding through the experience of practitioners who actively engage in ongoing education. The demand for resource materials that reflect these shifts is evident. The discussed book introduces methods for information collection, evidence interpretation, and crash analysis through computer-based tools. Built on theoretical foundations, data presentation, and application of computer programs, it provides a comprehensive approach to real crash reconstruction. While the book covers practical aspects, such as accessing technical information and analyzing publicly available data. It also explores theoretical principles like the application of mechanics for crash analysis. Notably, it does not address heavy truck crashes in depth, and simulation models are briefly introduced. Nevertheless, the book remains valuable for reconstructionists as they progress in their careers. The extensively revised second edition incorporates new content on side-pole impacts and introduces chapters on low-speed impacts, downloading electronic data, driving structural stiffness, and integrating electronic data into extant reconstructions. It caters to specific requirements of reconstructing rollover crashes and delves into structural mechanics and impact mechanics applied to crashed automobiles. The text explores crash energy in various crash scenarios and simulation models, analyzing post-crash vehicle motions in a chronological framework. Furthermore, the book employs meticulous time reverse methods for examining vehicle runout trajectories, utilizing physical evidence, and guiding readers through digital crash test data processing. It includes detailed instructions on constructing spreadsheets for crash energy calculations and post-crash trajectory characteristics. The evolving landscape of accident reconstruction sees alternative methods for processing data and interpreting results, accommodating the release of recent studies and increased accessibility to crash test data. Despite challenges like obsolete analytical tools, the field continues to advance. This second edition, with its fresh content and new chapters, reflects this progress, addressing contemporary topics and incorporating advanced tools like the NHTSA's Plot Browser Software. The book consists of 29 chapters. The first 10 chapters include general principles, tire models, subdividing non-collision trajectories with splines, a program for reverse trajectory calculation using splines, time distance studies, vehicle data sources for the accident reconstructionist, accident investigation, obtaining electronic data from vehicles, gathering information from photographs, and measuring vehicle crash. The contents of second ten chapters are filtering impulse data, obtaining and using NHTSA crash data test data, analyzing crash pulse data. Downloading and analyzing NHTSA load cell barrier data, rollover investigation, rollover analysis, vehicle structure crash dynamics, impact mechanics, reconstruction using conservation of momentum and energy, constant stiffness structures, and crash plots. The rest of the nine chapters include crash energy in accident vehicles and nonlinear structures, structural stiffness inside impacts narrow fixed object collisions, crash energy in underwrite override collisions, low speed impacts, reconstructing coplanar collisions, including energy dissipation, coplanar collision analysis, incorporating electronic data into accident reconstructions, simulation models, and other computer programs. This book provides theory, information, and data sources techniques of investigation and interpretation of physical evidence and practical tips for beginners. It also works as an ongoing reference for experienced reconstructions. This text can also serve as a resource for industry professionals, particularly with regard to the underlying physics.
0: This was Professor Haluk Iren from Firat University, Turkey. Thank you, Haluk. Barish is here with 2 Minutes News section, one of the popular sessions of our podcast.
2: Hello, dear listeners. This is Barish presenting following news in the field of ITS for the ITS podcast. In this episode, we bring you some of the latest news and developments on intelligent transport and autonomous driving. Interactive ITS map in the USA. The U.S. Department of Transportation has launched a new interactive map feature. This map visualizes the locations of ITS benefits, costs, and lessons learned. It allows users to see where ITS technologies have been successfully deployed and evaluated in their state, city, region, or neighboring community. The map also provides locations of benefits, costs, and lessons learned with a link to the original, publicly available source for the evaluation report. It offers the capability to search by keyword, content type, technology, goal area, and result type. Cruise recalls driverless cars after an accident. General Motors Self-Driving Unit, Cruise, is recalling 950 driverless cars following a crash involving a pedestrian in the U.S. The collision detection subsystem of the Cruise Automated Driving System software may have responded improperly after the crash. The incident involved a pedestrian being hit by a hit-and-run driver, and subsequently by a Cruise Robotaxi. The recall addresses circumstances where the collision detection subsystem may cause the vehicle to pull over instead of remaining stationary. Cruise is facing two federal investigations over the safety of its cars. While Cruise is recalling driverless cars in the U.S. due to safety concerns, it's also making strides in Japan. In collaboration with Honda and General Motors, Cruise plans to launch a driverless ride hail service in Japan in early 2026, demonstrating the ongoing global push towards autonomous transportation despite challenges. The three companies aim to establish this new company in the first half of 2024, pending regulatory approvals. The service will use the Cruise Origin, a self-driving vehicle with no driver's seat or steering wheel, developed jointly by GM, Cruise and Honda. The service will start in central Tokyo with dozens of cruise origins and then expand to a fleet of 500 cruise origins. The companies plan to subsequently expand and scale the service to areas outside of central Tokyo. Truck Innovation Award for MAN MAN Truck & Bus has been awarded the Truck Innovation Award 2024 by the International Truck of the Year jury for its advancement in autonomous driving. The award recognizes the company's research and development projects ANITA and ATLAS L4. These projects contribute to hub-to-hub, intermodal transportation, and involve collaboration between MAN truck bus, logistic providers, research institutions, and public infrastructure operators. Autonomous trucks are particularly useful for transport on motorways between logistic centers, increasing safety and stabilizing the logistics flow. By 2030, MAN aims to offer autonomous trucks in serious production for transport on defined routes between logistic hubs, and even research on the ethics of autonomous vehicles. A recent study has developed a new experiment to better understand what individuals perceive as ethical and unethical decisions in relation to driving vehicles. The study in the North Carolina State University was designed to capture a more realistic spectrum of moral challenges in traffic situations, going beyond the life-or-death scenarios often associated with the trolley problem. To address this lack of data, the researchers devised a series of experiments aimed at gathering information of how humans form moral judgments about decisions made in low-risk traffic situations. Researchers created seven different scenarios, such as parent deciding whether to break a traffic rule to ensure their child reaches school on time. These scenarios were then integrated into a virtual reality environment. The study aims to obtain data on what people consider moral behavior to develop algorithms for moral decision-making. Thank you for listening to the Minionev section of the ITS podcast. We'll continue to bring you more news of breakthrough advances in our field in the upcoming episodes. Thank
0: you, Barish. This was Barish Chauhan from TU Berlin. Let us know more about this company called Seraprom X. One of the co-founders, Mr. Kapil Arora, is here to have a discussion with us and inform us about their technology. Dear listeners, uh, today we have uh, Kapil Arora here. Uh, Kapil has over 23 years of experience in Domains like Automotive Electronics, Automotive Infotainment Platform, uh, Connected Car Solutions, uh, OTA, uh, Automatic Analytics, and way too many other things that I can discuss it, and I will write it down for uh, for in our podcast for you. Uh, he has been in the uh, leadership roles with uh, technology startups, as well as established organizations uh, in uh, products and professional services. He has managed global teams spread across the U.S., Romania, Turkey, China, Japan, Korea, and India. Currently, he is working as a chief sales officer at Cerebrum X and uh, with offices across the world. Uh, He has worked with global automotive OEs, uh, tier one carriers, and uh, telecom OEMs. And uh, today he is going to talk about uh, uh, talk about their new products and their new solutions from Cerebram X. Welcome to our podcast, uh, Kapil. Uh, I give a short intro. Uh, would you like to add anything or correct me if it's needed?
3: No, that's that's a pretty good intro. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, at Cerebram X, uh, apart from uh, playing the role of chief sales officer, I'm also one of the co founder at Cerebram X. And it's very, very nice to connect with you all today.
0: Thank you so much and thank you for accepting our invitation to be our guest today. One of the questions that uh, m- many of uh, us had when we looked at your uh, website, we have heard about connected cars. Uh, what are global connected cars? This was the terminology I saw on your website about that.
3: Cars are like, you know, Uh, evolving like a mobile phone which can carry people, right? We all have kind of seen, we all have experienced how mobile phone is. Mobile phone is always connected. Whatever information we need from the mobile phone is always connected via the cloud and all the information is available online. Similarly, connected cars are connected to the cloud 24 by 7, and whatever information they need from the cloud, they download it in the vehicle, and they provide their information as well to the cloud, which we can access it. So you can consider connected car, which basically are connected by the uh, 4G technology or the 5G technology, and they have all their information available as and when we need them.
0: Thank you for your answer. So, uh... Is it related to that fleet connectivity which you are mentioning on your website? Uh, your company is providing four different products uh, for under fleet connectivity. Uh, let's discuss some of them, like a Driver Connect or Mobility Connect.
3: Sure. And before that, you know, I would like to give a very brief introduction about our product, right? So, as you, as I told you, vehicles are connected today. Um, and these vehicles they generate petabytes of uh, data daily right from from the perspective how these vehicles are being used and what is the health status of these vehicles we have a product which is called augmented deep learning platform and it is first in the industry which is ai driven uh, which basically collects and homogenizes this vehicle data from millions of vehicles right Mm -hmm. in real time and basically provides this data to our Uh, ecosystem partner by using this data, they can really deliver the use cases to their end customer. So that's a brief introduction about a product. And you are right, a product basically is focused across verticals. And one of the, and you you basically summarized it right, right? We have a product which is focused towards the fleet companies, a fleet companies in the sense like, you know, you have Avis, Hertz, the fleet here in the US. Uh, Then we have a Drive Connect. The Drive Connect is the product which is focused towards the insurance companies, right? Insurance companies, for example, you have Liberty Mutual or Geico, et cetera. Uh, Then we have a product which is like a Mobility Connect. Mobility Connect is the product, you know, which gives you the health of the vehicle and deliver the mobility mobility as a service use cases for the end consumer. So these are the three verticals where we are focused today uh, from the connected vehicle data perspective.
0: Thank you so much. That's very interesting. So uh, uh, the fleet uh, connectivity, which you mentioned, and uh, it, it, I think it can be used for um, interstate vehicles, also for logistic vehicles as well, right?
3: Yes. So see the the fleet basically when the, the fleet, if I talk from the fleet manager's perspective, right? Fleet manager has a very very complex task of managing the fleet, right? On an average, right? If we talk about the a, a very small fleet or a moderate fleet, they have at least 1,000 vehicles in their uh, fleet portfolio and they have to manage all these vehicles. And the management is from the perspective of where these vehicles are basically traveling. What is the health of this vehicle? When do these vehicles basically need to go for the maintenance, right? So they have a very complex task in their hand. And if they basically go and personally inspect the vehicle one by one, they cannot do this job, right? That's why they rely on the technology. Uh, these vehicles basically you know, transmit the data which is, uh, uh, I would say, analyzed by the managers and managers basically at every given point in time know where their vehicles are, which states they are traveling, what is the health of these vehicles. For example, as easy, as simple as what is the tire pressure on these vehicles and if at all they need basically uh, uh, to, to, to fill air in the tires, they can really instruct the drivers to go to the nearest fuel station or go to the nearest air station to get the tire inflated properly. So yes, this is what we do. We basically collect the data from the vehicles and we provide this data to the fleet manager so that their day-to-day tasks are easily managed. Uh,
0: that's very interesting. So um, uh, I saw that, uh, I read somewhere that you are not adding any extra sensors to the vehicle and you are using whatever uh, the new vehicles already have, like their electronic control system or whatever uh, sensors already uh, implemented in the vehicle. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's very that's very correct. And that's a very interesting kind of observation from your side. See, I mean, fleet management has been happening. It's not new. This has been happening for decades now, right? Uh, Till now, the fleet manager basically had to, uh, uh, you know, uh, insert uh, add-on hardware in the vehicle, which basically you know collects the data from the vehicle or provide you the telematics-related data, right? That was uh, in a common term or a technology term. It is known as OBD2 dongle, right? They had to purchase this adjunct device or an additional hardware and insert it uh, onto the OBD port, which is there on the vehicle, to really track these vehicles from the health and the telemetry perspective. Not only you know, but this is expensive. Not only it is expensive, it is uh, basically prone to wear and tear, right? And we see that at any given point in time, 5 to 10% of these devices basically needs replacement. So the entire CAPEX and the logistics is, again, the nightmare for the fleet operators to really put these uh, additional hardware. With Cerebrum X, we completely kind of uh, remove this additional hardware, right? What we do is from... Uh, All these, uh, let's say the new vehicles, for example, in some cases starting 2014 onwards, in some cases starting 2018 onwards, it's dependent on the OEM to OEM. These vehicles are getting connected from the factory, right? So you don't, don't need any additional hardware. We work directly with these OEMs. For example, we work with Ford as of today. We work with GM. We work with Toyota. We work with Stellantis. So we directly tap into the data which is provided by the oem so the fleet owners do not need to install any additional hardware and not only it is cheaper they don't have to invest in the capex they don't have to invest in the opex, but they get a extensive enhanced data set as well which they were not able to get using that additional hardware which they had to install as an aftermarket
0: yes that that is very interesting and it's necessary we don't want to increase the number of sensors on the car uh, oh, my next question is uh, regarding the news I read uh, that uh, Serens and Cerebromix uh, are going to develop new data-enabled use cases. Uh, is uh, this data, uh, you know, database is provided by you or uh, you are going to develop, uh, develop it with Serens? Uh, so,
3: yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Complete your question. Yeah,
0: that, that's all. That was my question.
3: Okay, okay. See, uh serence is uh, one of the investor in our company serence is a technology company they provide uh, the voice codecs right and i one in uh, uh 50% of the vehicles which are shipped across the globe basically use the voice technology from serence and this was the very good partnership between serence and uh, uh, cerebrum x so serence te- serence basically generates lots of data in the vehicle and this provides further insights into the vehicle, right? So Cerebrum X, this, this data is available to Cerebrum X uh, for, for uh, insights and usage. So whatever data is generated through the voice codex technology by uh, a Serens, so Cerebrum X has access to that data and it can provide further insights on that particular data.
0: Uh, that's very interesting. But as an academician, I would like to know that, uh, do uh, researchers have access to this data or uh, this is mainly for industry?
3: This is mainly for industry. The reason for that is, you know, it's very, very highly uh, personalized data. We cannot share this data without the consent Uh, See, the consent is a very important topic when we talk about the data sharing, right? Because this this data is uh, personal, belongs to the driver. I cannot share this data without the driver's consent. So whenever somebody basically requests the data for that particular vehicle, they have to furnish the consent from that driver. And based on that consent, we only share the data. So the researchers will not have the consent from uh, these end drivers. So really, we cannot share any personal data with the researchers. However, if anybody is interested, we do have access to anonymized data, which is like a which which is like independent of any drivers. Uh, they can reach out to us, and we can really kind of work with them to provide uh, reports based on the anonymized data.
0: That's good. I think it's a good news for our researchers who will listen to this podcast. Actually, um, let's talk about sustainability, and uh, this brings us to EV. Uh, So uh, automotive industry is moving towards EV, and for many different reasons it can be. What do you think about EV? What are the hurdles on this path?
3: So, you know, EV, definitely, uh, we are seeing that, you know, it is very much getting popularized, right? When we talk about EVs, whether it's, these are hybrids, these are plug-in hybrids, or these are pure EVs, definitely, I mean, they are getting, they they are getting popularized, and definitely, end customer is moving towards these EVs, right? And it's, It's more from uh, the the, the savings perspective or more from the green uh, revolution perspective because many drivers which we see who were the early adapters of the EV basically wanted to contribute to the greener planet, right? So that way we are seeing that this EV is getting adapted at a very fast rate. However, there are many kind of uh, challenges which definitely are being overcome or will be overcome as we move forward. And one of the uh, challenge I think uh, we have already covered in the separate kind of a podcast is related to the charging. I will not go into the detail. We can provide you the link of that podcast. You can listen of to course. that. Podcast Thank you. The charging related uh, complexities. The other, you know, one of the other challenge with the EV, which we have recently seen here in the U.S., is government here is losing the tax as and when these EVs are getting introduced in the market. Yeah. You know how it works is every time you go to the gas station, you basically fuel your ve- uh, vehicle, right? You basically pay the gas tax. The gas tax is commonly used to describe the v- variety of taxes levied on the gasoline at both the federal and the state level, right? And these taxes basically are used to fund the highway repair and maintenance, as well as for the other government infrastructure. Now you imagine EVs don't have to go to the gas stations. Now EVs don't pay the gas tax. So we are seeing the gas tax getting being declined in these states, right? And then definitely this will have an impact on the government spending on the infrastructure. And if we talk about absolute numbers, the fuel tax basically provide nearly 40% of the revenue that states basically used to fund their transportation initiatives or other transportation spending. Now with EV, these gas taxes are declining because EVs do not go to the gas station. They do not basically uh, uh, fuel their, or they fill the gas into the vehicle. And once they fill the gas, I mean, they basically indirectly pay taxes. Now, you'd be surprised to hear this, right? There are reports on this. The state projection, basically, they have already seen declining of the uh, uh, tax, right? In some states, we are seeing that, you know, by 21, between 21 and 2030, the revenues of gas tax is falling by 11% to 20%. And then the predictions are that by 2031 to 2050, this this, this uh, will fall further by maybe as high as 50 to 52%. So this is one of the biggest, or I would say one of the challenges with EV, that government is basically losing the gas tax revenue, which is indirectly used to fund the transportation sector.
0: Yeah, th- that was uh, very interesting. So in our podcast, in intelligent transportation, we emphasize on... Um, interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary type of research. We had uh, a philosopher even as uh, our special guest talking. Now this brings us to uh, markets and finance. Now we have to invite somebody from that uh, domain also to talk about this problem here. Thank you so much for numbers that you gave. So uh, I, I believe that uh, government uh, and states now they are looking for data from EV vehicles and uh, well, what are they looking for what is the requirement exactly
3: yeah so as i as i right uh, uh, mentioned that you know much of the uh, fuel tax could vanish in the coming decades because mm-hmm. people would move to the evs now the solution for this is the road usage charge right the or or we call it ruc or the ruc which is commonly known as it's a chronic of road user charging ruc this offers the solution right What do you mean by RUC? The RUC system would place a fee on the number of vehicle miles traveled rather than the amount of fuel consumed. So if you see on a traditional system, the tax was based on the amount of fuel consumed, but in the new system, government is looking that the tax would be based on number of miles traveled rather than uh, the amount of fuel consumed. This particular uh, kind of solution, which is RUC, allows electric, hybrids, and other fuel-efficient vehicles to contribute to what uh, they use on the road so that state can still maintain the roads, right? So RUC is the solution, which is basically getting rolled out in various states. Uh, you know, there are a lot of states in the U.S. Which basically, which are doing the POC for RUC. Now for RUC, the bare minimum information you need is how many miles this vehicle has traveled right whether this vehicle has traveled in one state or this vehicle has traveled in multiple states because multiple states have a multiple or uh, different taxes so the basic requirement is how many miles this vehicle has traveled in one particular state so that based on the taxes per mile the state can con- state can you know calculate the tax mm-hmm. so at cerebrum x as i told to you we directly integrate with the uh, connected vehicle. So one of the parameter we get from the vehicle is the odometer reading. Odometer reading, typically, you know, you have it on your dashboard, which says how many miles this vehicle has covered, right? So you have uh, a a trip related information in the odometer reading. So as and when the vehicle basically is running on the road, keep on getting that information. At the end of the trip, we get this information, we get the initial odometer reading when the vehicle basically started the trip. And at the end of the trip, we get the final odometer reading. So we really can calculate how many miles this vehicle has traveled. And this particular information is very, very important for the states to calculate the mile-based charging for the EVs and other fuel-efficient vehicles.
0: Yeah, great. So uh, I think this is... You were talking about your uh, product EV Connect, where uh, cloud uh, storage and cloud uh, data comes in. Um,
3: Absolutely. You're
0: right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, as I said, I'm sharing Cerebrum X uh, website uh, in our podcast, uh, in our website. So, you can, all our listeners, you can take a look because this is very interesting and very informative what uh, they are doing. Uh, so, a uh, couple of uh, Let us know more about solutions that you provide for EV charging Uh, and what are the challenges that you have seen and uh, you have tried to solve?
3: Yeah. See, one of the, uh, I would say, uh, challenge our fleet customers are facing is they want to charge. See, there are many challenges and I would like to share my thoughts on one of the challenges which uh, they pointed out uh, during my conversation with my fleet customers. They really want to charge the vehicle when the utility prices are at lowest. You know, here in the US, I mean, utility prices are uh, time based, right? So let's say if you basically use the uh, utility or the electricity between the, uh, midnight, right, the charges are lesser. So uh, fleets basically want to kind of optimize their charging solution that they want to charge the vehicle when the utility uh, prices are at lowest, right? Um, one of the way is that you, know, you have to manually do this. So somebody basically should plug in, uh, start the charging at the time when the utility price are the lowest, or I mean, you can do it for one or two vehicles, right? I mean, if you have one or two vehicles in the home, you can do it very well, but think about it. If you have thousands of vehicles, can you really do this manually? I mean, start and stop the charging based on the prices of the day? No, you cannot do it. It's it's It's, it's a nightmare to do this, right? So this is where, you know, Cerebrum X is also working towards this. Um, we are kind of integrating with home energy management solutions, right? So when these drivers, basically they park their vehicle either in the public charging space or the home charging space, right? So these, I mean, we, by, we, by the way, have access to the, uh, a, the the EV charging related kind of functionality of the vehicle partnering with the OEM. So we can instruct the vehicle when to start charging and when to stop charging. And then we work with the home energy management companies, right? Which, which provide us uh, when is the best time to charge the vehicle, depending upon the state. So as and when our algorithms basically uh, they they see that this is the best time to basically charge the vehicle, they initiate this uh, command to the vehicle start charging. And when uh, let's say if the vehicle is not fully charged and the prices of the utility basically go high, then we can instruct the vehicle to stop charging, right? So this enables the very cheap solution for charging the vehicle. And what we see is this will um, reduce the charging uh, utility bills uh, pretty much. So this is one of the case which we found uh, based on the discussions with the partner. And then, yes, we have solutions for this.
0: That that is very interesting. So I I believe that you consider uh, the uh, cycling, uh, charging cycle of the battery or uh, the driver behavior. All these things will be included in your algorithm, right? As uh, factors.
3: Yes. Yes. So the one I just described is related to how how kind of uh, uh, you know cost efficient we charge the vehicle based on the utility pricing. The second one which you mentioned is right that we do consider uh, the driving behavior and uh, the battery status to really see how what is the efficiency or what is how how much how much kind of charging efficient this vehicle is. So based on that, you know, we offer many more solutions that okay. I mean, based on your driving behavior and based on your battery status, uh, uh, we basically tell you how much you need to charge basically to do your uh, next day chores. So, yes, we, we do provide a uh, charging solution based on the driver behavior as well.
0: That, that's very interesting. Now, uh, let's talk about the smart city, how your technology is integrated with the smart city.
3: Yeah. So this is one of the use case, you know, I mentioned the road usage charge. That is definitely one of the use cases for the smart city, right? I mean, uh, uh, the, how to basically calculate the road tax based on the miles uh, rather than uh, based on fuel consumed. The second other interesting use case where we are seeing here in the US from the Department of Transportation is about uh, vehicle occupancy, right? As you know, I mean, you have HOV, heavily occupied lanes here in the US where uh, you can only drive in those lanes when you have two or more occupant in the vehicle, right? So currently, the solutions are camera-based solutions, right, Uh, which uh, uh, basically provides you uh, these uh, uh, images of the vehicle and somebody really has to go and process those images to really see whether uh, the vehicle being driven on the high occupancy lane had multiple uh, occupants in the driver. If not, then the tickets has to be raised, right? Uh, or You may call it fine has to be raised for that particular driver. Now with the uh, connected vehicle initiatives, that paradigm is completely changing, right? We can know on which lane this vehicle is being driven because we have the uh, GPS-based uh, data for that particular vehicle. And then there are occupancy sensors, I mean, which can tell us that how many uh, passengers or uh, driver plus passenger are uh, present in the vehicle at that point in time. And based on the lane and based on the occupancy, we can basically derive whether the vehicle is being driven in the right lane or not. If the vehicle is not being driven in the right lane, then definitely this Department of Transportation or uh, or you may call it at the Smart City Initiatives, they can really kind of raise the ticket for that particular uh, uh, vehicle, right? To to say yeah. that you violated the uh, lane lane discipline.
0: Yes, yes, I understand. So it's uh, uh, eliminating the um, use and necessity for computer vision and heavy algorithms, and cameras on the road. Yes, that's true. Very interesting. Very interesting.
3: And these um, cases are being, I mean, what I'm talking to you right now is not like, you know, Uh, uh, which will get implemented uh, years and years down the line, all these use cases are currently being tested and tried here in the States, right, with Department of Transportation. So let's say if you travel to Florida, for example, you will find uh, tests by Department of Transportation on the highways where all these use cases are being tested right now.
0: That's great. So uh, I hope other countries also start uh, using this. That would would be nice. In India, there is a problem with uh, multiple riders on two wheelers uh still computer vision is still is struggling with that (laughs) How to? no you you brought a very good point right
3: for india you know one of the biggest biggest challenge we have is how many lives are lost into the highway accidents yes because of various reasons i will not point out to the reasons of drivers uh, i mean issues or whatever it is but if we provide the right information to the the hospitals so that they can ship the ambulance to the vehicles, we can save many lives, right? This is one of the use cases, you know, is very much uh, prevalent to the smart city initiatives for countries like India where we have so many highway deaths that as and when the vehicle basically, you know, meets with an accident, we get the crash notification because these vehicles are connected. The moment you have an airbag deployment message, this airbag deployment message immediately gets transmitted to Cerebrum X, and Cerebrum X basically can relay this information to, to the road side assistance services, be it ambulance, be it police station or be it roadside assistance recovery vehicle and within minutes or within seconds, you can really send the roadside assistance including ambulance to these uh, crash sites. You don't even have to talk to the patient or you don't have to talk to uh, these, these drivers where you are or get to know the location where most of the time it wasted during that crucial time. So yeah. I believe for markets like India, the Smart City Initiative definitely should have these crash notifications implemented.
0: Uh, that is very interesting. My, my next question actually was what do you suggest to our young professionals or um our colleagues from academia uh, what are the blind spots that you suggest that we have to look at and we have to work on it one of this was uh, what you discussed right now in especially in heterogeneous traffic scenarios it, connected vehicles are very helpful uh, what else can you suggest us what do you yeah. want to work on
3: yes yeah, so i believe the other solution to work upon would be uh, the the uh, Uh, Toll taxes, right? I mean, you see that, you know, when we stand in front of the toll taxes, right? There's a huge queue. Even after so much of automation, we basically have gone away from uh, cash transactions or whatever uh, other transactions, right? But we still have these huge queues uh, in the uh, uh, in the toll plazas, right? So if we can use the connected vehicle technology, I mean, which basically tells to the Uh, 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 government agencies, right, this vehicle basically traveled on this particular road for these many miles, and if that particular highway falls under toll usage, I mean, instead of having these toll plazas where we are wasting our time and fuel, government can directly send the you know, the invoice to us or the bill to us and really charged based on how many miles we have uh, used on that particular highway. So we can completely get rid of toll plazas uh, from uh, the countries where we have huge queues at the toll plaza. So I think this is one of the area a young generation or people who want to come into this field should, should really kind of uh, investigate upon.
0: We can talk about it. Yes, uh, some, something like geofencing for the areas that have to be
3: Absolutely. Paid. So yeah. you now, because see, earlier this uh, case was not possible because if you had to implement the geofencing, then every vehicle had to install some additional hardware, which mm-hmm. is not uh, possible. Nobody would like to spend thousands of, you know, if, if we talk in terms of rupees or thousands of uh, rupees or hundreds of dollars to really uh, install this additional hardware in the vehicle. Now, since this technology is already provided by, by the OEM from the factory, why can't we use that data and implement these kind of a use cases? And these, there, there is no investment needed anymore.
0: Thank you. Thank you, uh, couple. Uh, uh, is there any other point that you want to add?
3: No, I think that's pretty much it. This uh, uh, field is very exciting. This field is, I would say, growing very fast. Um, you have so much of data being generated out of the vehicle, and there are so I may have missed out many more use cases which the listeners out there, uh, you know, can imagine how, what all use cases they can deliver uh, by utilizing these connected vehicle data. And if at all, they have uh, any, any kind of uh, ideas on what use cases can be delivered across the globe, be it India, Europe, or the US, feel free to kind of contact us and we will be very happy to uh, do the pilot for those use cases using the sample data we have.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, One more good news uh, for our researchers. Thank you, Kapil. And uh, thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you for being with us.
3: Thank you so much. It was nice. And looking forward to have SoSight Podcast again with you.
0: Thank you, Kapil. It was very interesting and insightful. We have provided their website and email ID for our listeners if they are interested in knowing more or even collaboration with Cerepromex. I hope everyone enjoyed the talk. Dear listeners, ITS podcast is looking for volunteers to cover some stories or participate on their own terms. If you are interested to join us and being a voice of ITS or preparing some material, send us an email with a short resume, please. Dear listeners, we would like to hear back from you. If you have any idea to add or any specific field of research to cover, write to us, let us know. Thank you for being with us. This podcast is sponsored by IEEE Intelligent Transportation Systems Society and this was Dr. Mariam Kabashgah from IEEE ITS Society.